Welcome everyone to On Call with Insignia, where we go on call with Southeast Asia's emerging technology startup leaders and investors. In this episode, we're continuing our conversation with Nathaniel Yim, co-founder and head of marketing at Southeast Asia logistics technology platform, Janio Asia. Going back to the whole concept of getting everybody involved in the marketing strategy, and I think many founders in our audience would also be interested to know is what are the best practices when it comes to handling interviews like this say you know because not all of the interviews are done by the marketing team right or the marketing head sometimes mm. the ceo comes out like ali or you know Junkai comes out and does a panel so what are the best practices when it comes to handling these types of interviews what advice do you have for founders okay i would say it's really dependent on the personality of the spokesperson i mean some people prefer being spontaneous and just thinking on their feet and answering on the spot that works for them but I would say for perhaps those who are not as extroverted or who don't spend too much time engaging external audiences, a good way to prepare for this would be to try to get a hold of the questions beforehand. Not everybody would share questions beforehand, but if the interviewer or the media company or whoever it is you're speaking to is willing to do so, that really helps you to prepare. Also internally, I think it's important for you to speak to the rest of your stakeholders, like maybe your co-founders or marketing team or whoever to agree on what are some things that should be said or shouldn't be said because you don't want to right, disclose right, anything right. that might be sensitive. But at the same time, there are some things that would be interesting or juicy for the interviewer and the audience to hear that you might want to disclose. So agree beforehand with the rest of your key stakeholders what are some things that you can or can't say. I think if you are able to do those two things, generally you'll be in a good spot. You can also consider even rehearsing with your own, if you have an internal marketer or spokesperson who's comfortable with public speaking, you can do a rehearsal with them as well. That does help perhaps for founders who might be a bit more nervous, being under the spotlight, that might be a good way for them to prepare as well. Right. I think that's pretty great and practical advice for founders who aren't comfortable with public speaking or doing these interviews, right? Because eventually at some point, mm. you know, especially if you want to build that thought leadership in your space, you would need to have to do these things, right? And speaking of public relations, another thing that founders often ask us at Insignia in particular is how to handle press releases and PR. Do you have any thoughts from your own experience or best practices that you do when it comes to handling press releases? I think the key thing to take note about press release and by press release, I take it that you mean newspapers, mainstream outlets that would do an interview or something and then publish. Right, the key right. thing about this, yeah. about doing a press release to these outlets is that once the interview is done, you will not be able to take back anything you said. So you really need to make sure you know what you can and cannot say beforehand because once the papers are printed, there's no way you can recall the paper, right? So you really need to prepare beforehand. And if there's anything that should be off the record or on the record, you need to make that distinction very clear when you're speaking to your interviewer. Of course, there are some times where perhaps there might be something you want to say, but you do not want to be quoted for it. If the information is available online or on a public source, you can just mention that the interviewer can perhaps take a look, right? That's a very subtle way of, of uh, getting the yeah. information out without being quoted, but that's something that you could, you could do. I'm quite sure members of the press, they know what that means. So just make sure you get your story straight before you go out because there's no turning back. Right, right, yeah. And even if they do, I think at the most, if they are very generous, they will allow you to modify maybe like 10 words or something. If it's just a digital platform, if it's print, mm-hmm. media, much harder. Yeah. there's no going back. Really. Yeah. Thanks for that. I think that's 
pretty consistent advice even from the previous question, right? Just make sure you have everything down before you go out and do these engagements. How about when it comes to the timing of press releases? Do you also have any like advice on that? Especially when it comes to say, for example, like fundraisers or like product mm-hmm. launches. Do you have any like rule of thumb when it comes to timing these things? Yeah. Well, it depends on how you go about doing the press release. If you're working with several different stakeholders, then I guess there's something that you could do called an embargo, just agreeing that this is the date and time that you're going to release your own story. So it doesn't matter if you're doing like five interviews with different outlets or one interview with five outlets at the same time. So long as everybody knows that this is the timing, this is the date to follow, and, and they agree and they follow through, then that should be fine. If you don't make that clear, people will release it whenever they want. I think sometimes founders might not know that there's such a thing that they can do, which, which is to agree on a time to release. They don't talk about it and then end up uh, different newspapers release at different times. And then you get journalists coming back and saying, hey, how come somebody else got there first? Right. So you just have to communicate more and be very clear about when and where you'll be okay with releasing this kind of information. Yeah, and I think that that's something definitely that founders should take note, especially those who are in the early stages or first-time founders. And just going along this thread of best practices and advice, I'd also like to ask about misconceptions, especially being a first-time founder yourself, like in the sense that coming off university and then immediately co-founding a company. What are some of the misconceptions that first-time founders have when it comes to the role of marketing, especially B2B marketing? That's a really good question. I think many founders, even marketing founders, the trap that they fall into is thinking that marketing is about it's about the brand, it's about fancy ads, it's about being on stage in front of 10,000 people and winning awards. I mean, all this stuff are great, don't get me wrong, but when you're a very early stage startup, you don't have the resources, you don't have money, you don't have time, and you don't have manpower, right? So you need to be very, very selective and very effective with the way you spend your resources. And of course, ultimately, what you want to do should help the company in a tangible commercial way, right? There's no point getting like a million views and being seen on BBC if it doesn't translate into any new clients or deals, because then your company will just die out anyway. So it's better to not have this kind of coverage and to focus on something else which moves the needle. It's always better to do that. Right? So I think early on when you start, generally there are not many things that you can do. So sometimes when potential marketing opportunity comes along, like someone says, hey, I got this speaking opportunity or hey, I got this something that you can tap into or whatever. For a very early stage startup, usually I would say it's good to just explore and see what's going on, but don't always continue doing the same thing if you know that it doesn't work. So if you know that speaking engagements of a certain type don't need to anything meaningful, then after a while, just stop doing it. Don't do it because everybody else is doing it and you see it on LinkedIn and it looks cool, but if it doesn't help the company, don't do it. So I think very early on, it's important to have an iterative mindset as well. You can try new things. It's always about trying new things because that's the status quo. You need to do something new, otherwise there won't be anything. By making sure you review and see whether it works, rather than being fixated on just one channel or one way of doing things. And it's not always about ads. I think sometimes I speak to founders, especially younger founders, they're all about, so when do you start doing ads or how much money do you use? Mm-hmm. The truth is we didn't do any ads for the entire first year of our business and we still managed to get leads because we focus on things like content, focus on very specific types of networking events where we knew our audience would congregate in. So we were very selective about what we did. So I think don't be too fixated on having just one channel or one way of doing things. Keep a flexible, agile mindset and look at the data and question yourself and review 
and see whether certain channels or avenues are working. It's fine not to get it right at the beginning. There'll be a lot of hits and misses, more misses than anything else at the beginning. But it's important that you learn from this and figure out what works. Right. You basically refocus on that point of really being strategic about how to approach the marketing and really being selective with what really works and what doesn't. And that's something that I noticed like Janio, that ability has been really mastered over the years since you guys started. And I think a huge part of being able to do that is the marketing team, right? And it's something that you built since you took on the role when Janio started. So I'd like to know what has been your approach to building your marketing team at Janio and attracting, hiring, and retaining marketing talent? At the beginning, I would say that perhaps this is common across all the other teams. It wasn't just unique to marketing. Being a very early stage startup, an unknown company with basically fresh grad founders, it's very difficult to hire good talent at the beginning. You won't have experienced managers or even experienced junior staff with a few years experience signing up left, right, center. In fact, you'll be rejected more so than anything else because there, there really isn't much else that you can use to convince people to come on board. So at the start, we looked out for people who believed in what we were doing. We still do. It's very important for people to believe in their business and what we're trying to do. Otherwise, they won't find purpose in their work. But we also looked at people who are very hungry to learn, to do something new, to take ownership of initiatives, to drive new initiatives that they wouldn't typically get elsewhere. So we looked at people who had this growth mindset. Because when you're starting out, you need that kind of people who can take initiative, who dare to try, take risks, do something new that they haven't done before and learn from setbacks. So we looked out for people that had a kind of mindset. And as an extension of these people who are very moldable, very, I would say, humble, but at the same time, confident in themselves, humble enough to know that they still have more to learn and they can improve, but confident enough to try. That was the kind of people that we were looking for. And I would say for many of our teams and for the people who came in early and who are still here, they still have that mindset. And you can see it very clearly because we wouldn't be in this state now if not for them, really. So we do look out for people that have that kind of mindset and mentality and people who can scale themselves over time. We're not looking for people who know how to do everything right away. We look for people who know how to figure things out as they go along. And that has held true from the beginning, even now when we are hiring at this slightly later stage in our journey. So we are still building a lot of things, a lot of processes, a lot of structures. So we need people who can think and create. It's not just enough to be able to follow procedures or to optimize. If that's the only thing that people want to do, then they will probably not have a very good time here because we are still building many, many right, different right. things. Yeah. So we need a builder mindset, a growth mindset. It's very important. Otherwise, there will be some very fundamental misalignments in terms of what people want and what they will experience. Right. And speaking of that growth mindset, how do you see Janio's marketing strategy evolve or change moving forward in the next few years as the business grows? Okay, I mean, that's something I'm still figuring out as well. But I would say that it depends on a variety of factors. Firstly, of course, the markets that we're in and the nature of the service that we provide will influence the kind of marketing that we do at every level, not just in terms of content, but in terms of the channels that we use. Because, I mean, at the start, if you're just doing B2C service, right, in one or two countries, it's a bit more straightforward. But if you're starting to do B2B related stuff, things which are a bit more upstream, you're expanding to more countries, then you need to tailor your approach to every country. You've got to come up with new strategies. It's not just about localizing or it's not just about translating the language. There are a lot of nuances and things to take note of and different channels to use, different ways of portraying your company that you must take note of. So the strategy will evolve with the business strategy, I would say. 
And, and I would say for every country that we sort of focus on, it's very different. What we do in Singapore versus what we were to do in, let's say, Indonesia, it's really very different. So it will be driven a lot by the business strategy. At the same time, also in terms of the state of something I like to call the state of marketing in the country. So for a country like Singapore, where we have done a bit more, people tend to know of us when we reach out to them. So perhaps in terms of branding or awareness, that will not be such a key focus for a market where we've been around a bit longer. But a market that we are totally new, people need to know about us first before we can even get to the table. And in overseas markets, SEO and content might not be the most suitable method for reaching the audience there. Perhaps something a bit more traditional might be better suited. So it really depends on the business strategy at the corporate level, what we want to do, and that informs the marketing strategy. Yeah, and I think a really relevant factor for, especially for Southeast Asian startups, what you mentioned about, you know, the state of the marketing in that country, right? Especially for startups that are in multiple markets, one strategy will work for one country, but not for the other. And I think that's something that founders, especially going into that growth stage, need to be really aware of. And I think Janio has really built sort of that thought leadership since 2018, since you guys started in the cross-border logistics and supply chain management space. And I always find the e-commerce report really interesting. So if any of our listeners are interested, you know, you can go to janio.asia and check those out. And to close things off, we always ask our VIP guests to share some of their recommendations and their favorite things in our rapid fire question round. So you can just share your answers. So what's your favorite book when it comes to leadership or marketing or entrepreneurship? This book called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. It's an autobiography of the founder of Nike. Mm-hmm. It's a okay. very inspirational book. Right, right. Okay. And what's your favorite movie on leadership or entrepreneurship? It might be a bit strange, but Saving Private Ryan actually inspires mm-hmm. me quite a bit when it comes to the okay. leadership aspect of things. Is there a specific scene or a specific moment in the movie? I would say a specific character. The, the main okay. character, Captain Miller, right. and the way he carries himself and interacts with his squad and motivates them. I think there are a lot of parallels with building a startup and how you can motivate your team and how you should conduct yourself as a leader in an organization. Right, yeah. And what's your favorite mobile or web app that you use frequently that you think not many other people use? Does it have to be specific to leadership or entrepreneurship or something? No, 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 no. It could be for any function, yeah. I use something called Readera, R-E-A-D-E-R-A. It's just a reading app. It's quite useful for reading books, PDFs, EPUBs, and stuff in various formats. Right, so it's sort of a tool to help you open these different platforms. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then what's your favorite? I mean, we can't travel now, but... If you were able to travel now, what would be your like go-to destination in Southeast Asia? Ah, that's a good question. I would say I would go to Thailand. Anywhere specific in Thailand? Probably just Bangkok or maybe to, yeah, more, I would say mostly to Bangkok. Yeah. Right. Is there a favorite activity that you do in Bangkok? I like eating. I especially like eating Thai food. And I mean, sometimes I go there with friends just to like, like chill and unwind. I've got friends who are working there as well. So uh, it's always nice to catch up with friends who are doing something a bit more entrepreneurial. So, I mean, even working overseas at a young age is somewhat entrepreneurial. So, yeah. this kind of uh, interactions and spending time with uh, people like this tend to be quite rejuvenating, I would say. Yeah, it's always refreshing to be able to talk to like-minded people. For sure. mm-hmm. and what's your favorite activity to de-stress? I like to play with my cats. How, how many cats do you have? That's a good question. I think <laughs> something like 10. Wow, okay. Or, or 12. Right, uh, I lost and... Some of them are the children of the other cats? or uh, No, no. All of them are strays. My, oh, okay. my family is a bit crazy on cats, so we okay. rescue all the strays. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and what's your, for other 
people in our audience who may be taking care of cats, what's sort of your go-to advice for taking care of cats? I think just feed them on time. Right. If you don't like them waking you up at like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., investing in an automatic feeder is quite helpful. Right, right. Cool. So thank you very much, Nathan, for coming on the show. Looking forward to what other things Janio has in store in terms of content and thought leadership that definitely be valuable for the ecosystem at large. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Definitely. Thank you for having me. So to all our listeners, stay on the line and connect with us. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until our next call, this has been On Call with Insignia Ventures.